What's up, everybody? Let's spin some yarn. So uh, I was working out today. Thank God I can finally work out again. Um, and I was listening to the Cutlass podcast, which for those of you that don't know, is uh, retired Fleet Kingsbury. Uh, Paul Kingsbury is a guy I talked to on the podcast a while back. Uh, it's his podcast that he started, I think it was probably like four or five months ago now. And he mentioned something that kind of got my gears turning about, uh, they were talking about, it was a carrot and the stick episodes and they were talking about uh, knowing your people in relation to kind of like the positive and negative reinforcement that's going to motivate your people to do what you need them to do. And uh, it it got me thinking about like knowing your people in general and kind of like some of the, some of the things they were talking about, they were very like, um, uh, like, I don't want to say obvious because it's not always obvious, but we talk about knowing your people a lot, especially as chiefs. Uh, but just as naval leaders, like just taking the time to get to know your people, uh, the better you, you know your people, the more you can like anticipate their needs. You can uh, see when they're kind of acting off. Um, maybe they're stressed out. Maybe there's something going on at home They're when their performance changes or their personality changes or their interactions with their their subordinates, peers and, and seniors change. Um, and also just knowing, like taking the time to show them that you care enough to get to know them too, like getting to know uh, their spouse's name, how many kids do they have, what's their favorite things to do, stuff like that. Just taking the time to get to know them as a person. Um, submarining is a little different than the rest of the Navy. And not that a group of people doing what we do on a ship or out there with like CBs or Fleet Marine Force or anything like that don't get extremely close under the circumstances, but on a submarine it's we're all so close like um for me as their chief i you get really close with those guys they're like my kids um and girls i took a some female enlisted riders underway on a deployment as well and just stayed super close with all those people because they come to see with me and it's i devote a ridiculous amount of time and attention to uh teaching training developing and then just getting to know them as human beings because you're you spend a lot of time sitting there having conversations um i go i i go out of my way to have those conversations on purpose not, not just because i think it's necessary but because i enjoy talking to them uh and i've i've kind of found that there's like knowing your people on a level of and, and I'm not knocking anybody's approach, especially what uh, what Paul and, and Phil Null talked about on this podcast. I think it's a gr- it's like a great starting point. But I like I kind of wanted to dig a little deeper into like what knowing your people really means to me. Um, and, and I'm confident, again, that they, they were just talking about one piece of it and that it there they would agree with a lot of this. Um, but it's it's like the. You, you can fill out like a CDB questionnaire. You can like do that initial entry interview where you kind of ask those questions like, what do you do in your free time? You know, like, what's your spouse's name? How many kids do you have? And those are all like necessary things. I, I think those are important things to ask, but they're very um, like introductory, like entry level. <laughs> it's kind of like you're getting to know somebody on the surface and kind of the reason why I, I feel like as I'm explaining this, there's almost like a negative undertone is because I've seen people not because it's not important, like I said, but because I've seen people, I've seen leaders kind of do it to check the box where it's artificial. Uh, it's like this prepackaged 
shtick that they do because they think they have to and they think it's the right thing to do because they keep hearing you got to know your people and you got to do that thing where when it's like everything we talk about on this podcast when you do anything that's disingenuous when you do anything that you're kind of like trying to fake it till you make it in a leadership position it's super transparent and the junior sailors you're trying to like sell it's immediately recognized as what it is this like fake prepackaged i want to get to know you because i'm your leader now you kind of thing you know and and junior sailors are just going to shut their ears off and they're not going to be at all interested in sharing any of the things that are going to open up a gateway between you and that sailor that are going to start building that trust that's necessary for a leader to to lead and for a follower to effectively follow and then lead themselves someday uh so i i guess what i wanted to talk about was kind of like like what more can we do here you know what i mean like like do you really know your sailors and and are you really taking the time to get to know them because like i could do that entry-level questionnaire stuff and answer that question in the affirmative and tell you what their favorite color is and what their favorite sports team is and stuff like that but those are again they're just all like almost like icebreakers where it's like i just want to have a conversation with you and get to know you better um and again being from the unique community that i am it's it's almost a forced function on some reasons it's it's a lot easier because we're in such close proximity the divisions are so small i have read ready and easy access to my sailors and they have ready and easy access to me uh pretty much at all times so there's a lot of time that we spend interacting uh in close quarters but at the same time it's like it's not like a lot of ships outside of carriers are that much bigger and then there's subcategories of like departments divisions work centers etc where it's like this the concept can be applied across the board where you can take the time to sit down and have a conversation and i i I bet you if i pulled a lot of junior enlisted they would think it was weird if their chief or officer of of whatever level right like a divo department head or whatever kind of came out and sat down and wanted to have that type of a conversation with them and i mean that's you can overcome that but it's also kind of sad that that's weird in a way and that's why i wanted to talk about it is like i think for, just based on feedback from junior sailors that have talked to me uh through the podcast when i've asked some different questions it's like they don't see their chief that often because of the scale that you know a, a carrier is at right where it's like the first level division chief isn't as accessible as i am on a submarine i totally get that um, it's scalable in both ways in that the chief can kind of find time to go out of their way and show interest in all of those people like in stages kind of like obviously it's going to take a lot more time for a chief to spread himself over a division of like 150 than it would be for somebody like me to do it over a division of 12 or a department of 12 you know like it's way smaller in submarines but you could still do it and it's scalable by by rank as well right so like if if a bunch of uh junior sailors like the most ready access they have to a supervisor is like their second class or their first class like i can point at a whole bunch of second and first classes that throughout my career have had a huge influence and who i've looked up to and so if that it doesn't have to be a khaki obviously uh well it should be obvious and if it isn't i'm telling you it doesn't have to be a khaki like you can make an impact a big impact as a second class or a first class 
Um, I've heard lots of stories of guys like command master chiefs at retirement ceremonies talking about the second class or first class LPO that influenced them and kept them on the straight and narrow when they were screwing up or helped them get qualified or whatever. And and those are the stories they're relating, relaying at the retirement ceremony after 26, 28, 30 years of service. That's the the stamp that can be left. So it's, it's kind of like I, I, I wanted to bring this up and kind of talk about what I what I feel like the getting to know your sailors is right. Um, I'm I'm still in touch with a lot of my junior sailors, especially when I was on a projects platform. It wasn't it wasn't the best environment for a first term sailor to like you, you know you join the navy, you want to see the world, and all you see is inside the skin of a submarine because of the op tempo and mission set that we did. It was just like you didn't there's no such thing as a liberty port. And, and I, I mean that like it's I, it sounds like an exaggeration, but it's not. It's just not what we did. Uh, so, you know, uh, the only time you saw anywhere besides Homeport was by accident. So it uh, it's it's tough. It's a, it's a really, really demanding high op tempo job. So the first term sailors, it's like it's 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 a perfect storm for like while the job was really rewarding because of what the mission was, it was also really difficult. Uh, and it's a lot harder on first term sailors that wanted to experience more than just working ridiculous hours and like deploying a ton. So uh, a lot of those guys separated is what I'm getting at. And I've kept in in close contact with pretty much all of them. Uh, and I mean, two of them are coming to my wedding and they got out of the Navy as a second class and a, and a third class. So it's like that's the the level of investment that I have in these kids. And I, again, I use that word on purpose kids because I treat them like they're my kids, like they're, they're mine. Uh, I, I put that type of level of, of like that emotional investment I, on my part. And it wasn't like some kind of a unduly familiar or inappropriate relationship. It was just like, I so badly wanted them to succeed and wanted to um, just train them and teach them and, uh, and like mentor them into being highly functional, intelligent sailors and adults so that, cause I knew most of them were going to move on. Like they, it was the kind of conversation when you talk about like, Hey, I'm separating at the end of my enlistment. It's like, there's the people that you roll your eyes at <laughs> cause you know, they're going to reenlist. And then there's these guys. And it's like, I, when they said they were out, I, I was, you know, we talked about options and stuff. Cause I also happened to be the career counselor at the time. Cause on submarines, it's a collateral duty. Um, but I was pretty sure they were serious. And so it's like, all right, if you guys are serious about this, then we'll do whatever we can to set you up to, to transition. But the, the time that we spent together, I mean, it was everything from just normal everyday interactions you would expect to have with your chief to conversations about what they want to be when they grow up, what their dreams are, um, a relationship that went terribly wrong and, and how I could relate. Uh, and kind of shared some of my stories, right? Um, when they were, there were some struggles just on board, like I said, with the op tempo and how long, how much and how long we were gone. It's just, it's the same thing as a normal deployment amplified times a million because you can't communicate either. We didn't have email. We didn't have anything. Um, so it was like if uh, a say junior sailor is in a relationship and they're in love because of course they are and oh my God, their whole world is this, is this girl. Um because this platform was all male. So it was, it was like, or I mean, significant other, like it was still don't ask, don't tell at the time, but I don't know what it's like everywhere else, but there's been gay men on submarines 
uh, for my entire career and everybody knew and no one cared. So um, anyway, like having those types of conversations about like what they were struggling with, how they were struggling with it, what it was like when I was qualifying, right? I'd sit down um, when I had that female enlisted rider. She was one of the most motivated human beings I've ever met in my life. Reminded me a lot of me when I was junior and just wanted to get after it, wanted to qualify everything under the sun and felt sometimes like people were throwing throwing up roadblocks. And so just sitting down and, and talking her through my experience, which was not good <laughs> about getting my dolphins and getting qualified, all the other things. And, um, and she was pushing to get qualified. A lot of things out of rage, just really, really ambitious, uh, very goal oriented. And I got to sit down and, and relay all that. And the reason I'm kind of belaboring this is like talking about all of these different ways that you can do it is because I think they're really important. I think they're really effective. And I think it's, it's like, this is the stuff I'm going to talk about for the rest of my life. And so selfishly, it's really important to me to make these types of connections and make these types of investments. Obviously, it checks all the other boxes that when we're talking about leadership development and education, like, yes, I want to form these relationships because it'll build trust with my sailor. It builds the type of rapport I need to get good communication going up and down the chain of command. Yes, they're going to, because they trust me, they're going to respond to me even even better and we're going to have a better relationship. Communication is going to flow the way it needs to. Things are going to get done, right? Like I, All of those things are very true and I think this is the most effective way to accomplish them. Um, but the biggest thing for me is like, man, this is the good stuff. Like this is the leadership development like goodness that I want to squeeze out of every experience that I have because it's like, and I don't know, man, maybe I'm just abnormally passionate about leadership development and my sailors and like I, I chase these opportunities, but at the same time, it's like, it's what the sailors talk about when they leave too. It's what I talk about. I talk about the leadership that I had that went out of their way to take care of me, that saw something in me when I I was probably one of those guys that could have easily been written off because I was so stubborn and bullheaded and mouthy. And I know it's shocking. So the, there are people like that, that I constantly reference, um, in my conversations. And I talk about it a lot on this podcast, just like the experiences I had, the leaders I had that went out of their way to invest in me. It's just the only reason I'm still here doing what I'm doing in, in both uniform and just through this, through this platform. Um, and it's, it's the, the kind of thing that just like makes lasting memories and, and forms like lasting bonds. Uh, my dad is a Vietnam veteran. He was a, a tin can sailor. He was on a destroyer out of the Philippines in Vietnam. And he was just out here visiting me. I was supposed to have a wedding ceremony. It got rescheduled because of the Rona. It is what it is. <laughs> like, uh, I say, I constantly, you'll hear me reference my wife all the time. It's because we got legally married before my surgery. Uh, cause I freaked out a little bit, thought I might die, but that's neither here nor there. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I was, I was panicking. I don't think I was actually at risk of dying in real life. Um, not high risk anyway, but, uh, it, the wedding was supposed to happen. So they, they just like, we're just going to come out anyway and visit, um, which was, I don't know. We had a conversation about the risks and they just decided they wanted to do it anyway. Um, but th- so they came out to visit and my dad went and visited a buddy of his that he was on the ship with. And my dad is 70. <laughs> like, so he hasn't seen this dude in 30, 40 years or some craziness. 
Uh, I think he saw him like after the Navy, but like when he was still really young. Um, but it's it had been a really long time. And the miracle of Facebook, right? There's all those groups out there where old vets like my dad can kind of like hook up with people from a ship and go to reunions and all that stuff. And he went to a reunion and uh, yeah, I he came out here to visit the guy. And he was just telling me stories about the the visit and how it went and stuff and how they were, you know, they just barbecued and then were coking and joking. And it's just like that relationship happened. And granted, like my dad wasn't his boss. They were just guys that work together. Right. Like, but that relationship was formed like 50 years ago. And he said it just like I say it, just like everybody I know that does this job says it where it's like. I feel like any vet that like served with somebody and even to a certain extent, just any vet sees another vet. And it's like, you strike up a conversation, like you've known each other forever. But the, when I see somebody that I was on a, a submarine with, or that I, you know, worked somewhere with or whatever. And I haven't, I, at this point, I, it could be up to 19 years that I haven't seen a person. And I'm just like, I see somebody across the room that I haven't seen in 15, 16 years. And it's like, what's up, man. And we're like hugging and, like striking up a conversation and acting like we saw each other yesterday. Um, a buddy of mine lit. He was a cook on my first boat with me. We were best friends and I hadn't seen him in real life since he left the submarine. Cause he was there before me. Uh, he went to shore duty and then got out of the Navy, went to culinary school and became this like crazy chef. And, uh, I, he came to, uh, he lives a couple hours from me now. And he, I found out where he was at and I was like, Oh my, we'll come down on a weekend, man. I hadn't seen him in, probably 15 years when I saw him and it was like I saw him yesterday I was hugging him and we were hanging out getting food talking about stuff and got to meet my wife and then he just came up here recently for the wedding as well they got canceled and I got to see him again but yeah it's those relationships happen through this type of of interaction through this type of investment that I'm talking about where you're you're taking the time to get to know like what a like the fabric of a person not just some like top 10 questions so that i can i know my people i know his kids names blah 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 like (laughs) i don't mean to poke fun at that but i'm poking fun at the concept of the like superficial getting to know you thing that can happen as a check in the box because there are actually naval instructions that say, you know, thou shalt do the command sponsor and indoctrination and career development boards and stuff. Those are all great functions when applied correctly. And they they do a lot of good. And it's very important that those questions are asked. But the the part that I think gets missed sometimes, and I guess that's what I'm dri- trying to drive home, is that it's got to be genuine. It's got to be uh, authentic it has to they have to feel like you actually care about the answers of those questions or they're not going to let you in they're not going to let you get to know your people right you're you're not really going to know your people you're only going to know the prepackaged for chief version or prepackaged for lt version right cuz i you got to be acutely aware of who you are and what junior sailors are going to allow you to be presented with but what i've found is that for the most part when stuff happens and I've established these types of relationships where I built that type of a foundation, they'll tell me things they wouldn't normally tell their chief, right? Because they trust me to the extent of like, uh, I had a, a third class that had a bunch of disciplinary issues in the past. I mean, he was like, 
on pretty thin ice, but he came to me as the last chance guy and then was doing really well. And then he was having relationship issues like marital issues and he showed up to work drunk and that could have went really, really poorly for him. But I dealt with it in a way that senior chief dealt with it. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those where he, he came in, he did not drive. He had somebody come pick him up. They put him together, put him in his uniform. He wasn't sloppy. He was just obviously smelled like alcohol. Uh, and he, I mean, he was basically just depressed and he came in he's like, senior, I screwed up. And we were sitting in the storeroom. Like my second class LPO came and got me. He's like, Hey, I need you to come in the storeroom. And we had that conversation. So then my LPO left and me and him sat there and talked through it. And I said, okay, man, I need you to sit in here, you know, drink water, get, get it together. And then we'll do the little bit that we have to do today and get you out of here. And I need you to call me if you have an issue. And I bought, like we set up all the, okay, yeah, no problem. And I mean, to the extent of like, we got him somewhere to stay that wasn't there and like, whatever. Um, but it, it's, it's one of those things like without that type of relationship and trust, he's not gonna divulge that to me. Like I'm going to find out when somebody walks by him in the P way, smells alcohol on him. And then he's standing at attention to the chief scores. And I, it's like, it's a very, it's a very difficult decision matrix there in your head where, you know, like the, you, you hear that you like, oh, I smelled alcohol on a kid when he showed up to work. Like the move is drop an anvil on his head. Like I smelled alcohol. He showed up to work drunk, drunk on duty, blah, fit for fit for full, go get him a fit for duty and blah, blah, blah. And like, we're going to get a BAC and we're going to do call security, whatever. Like you're going to start going down that road. Like it's automatic. Uh, I would contend that it's not, um, it's it, everything in my mind is case by case. And a lot of the cases for certain things are going to end up going through a very similar, if not identical accountability process. But, um, like there's nothing I can do if somebody shows up high, you know what I mean? Like, but there is, I have room to maneuver sometimes. And, and I think that opportunities like that don't happen if I don't actually know my people and know them on the level that I'm describing. Um, I hope that made sense. Uh, I know it was a little, I was a little all over the place. I was, that idea was kind of developing as I talked, uh, but I just wanted to get it recorded for you guys and, and uh, get something out. I got a whole bunch of cool stuff happening soon. I'm really excited. Uh, I'm not going to reveal too much of it. I do owe you guys the officer programs episode, which is uh, the outline is complete. I just need to record it. Uh, and then I got some really cool stuff uh, either recorded or getting recorded very soon uh, that I'm happy that I got to do. And I'm just excited to be doing this again and to be able to uh, get you guys new content. So if you need anything from us, like always hit us up, don't give up the ship podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up the ship podcast, or you can DM me on Instagram or Reddit, or just be all up in the sub talking to us about all the episodes and stuff. Uh, D gets podcast. Check us out there. Uh, like share, subscribe, review, do all the things that helps get the word out. So uh, we, we always appreciate when people uh, can do that as well. And that's it. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship. 